Hi, I'm BJ, and this is the Arcane Alienist Podcast. Hey BJ, it's Anthony calling in from the car. It's daytime, but it's pretty much as dark as night, and I don't know if you can hear the rain on the windshield, but we're at the end of the rainy season. The sky is, has opened up, and it's it's letting us know something. I just wanted to say that your recent episode was beautiful, and thank you very much for sharing. It means a lot. And as always, that was Anthony of the Casting Shadows podcast, also known as Rude Slinger, um, <clears throat> calling all the way from South Korea. Uh, thanks for the call, Anthony. I'm glad you appreciated the episode. And uh, maybe you'll enjoy this one as well. But before we get into today's topic, we've got a few calls from Jason Connerly as well. So let's let's hear what Jason has to say. Hey, BJ, Jason here. It is hardcore mode you're thinking of, that 13 for a, you know, a single number you save against. An ice RPG, there's a number for each scene, and that number for the scene is the number you're rolling against across the board. Now, ICRPG has the advantage-disadvantage thing, but instead of rolling multiple dice, you just have easy and hard rolls where you have that scene target number, and if it's a hard roll, then you add three to the scene target number of you know, so if normally it's a 12, you need 15 if it's hard. If it's easy, then you subtract 3. So if normally it's 12, you roll 9 if it's easy. And and that's how ICRPG handles that. I think 5e, the of course, advantage-disadvantage predates 5e. It's, other games used it before 5e ever came out. But 5e definitely popularized it in the, you know, people's minds. Um, I think where 5e screwed up is they didn't embrace it and just use that. They also have plus 1s and minus 1s and plus 2s. So where 5e could have just embraced advantage-disadvantage, they also have all the modifiers in addition to that. So they kind of stepped back from the precipice and, you know, gave in to pressure, which is a shame. I I think they should have been more daring. But I guess after 4e, they were worried about being too daring because, you know, the gaming purchasing public are pretty fickle folks. Okay, let me listen to the rest of your prompts. Thanks for correcting me, Jason. And I think just as a follow-up, as as that prompt was uh, talking about really cool mechanics, I do think that the the really cool mechanic from ICRPG that simplifies things is the the room itself has one DC. Whether you're trying to attack the monster, save against um, some uh, you know its breath or some spell that it's cast at you, or you know trying to overcome a trap or a hazard, the, the room just has a a difficulty in anything you do to try to succeed in that room has that one number, uh, and then you can roll easier, hard, when, yeah, based on the situation. Um, that is a pretty innovative thing that Hankerin came up with for ICRPG. Um, <clears throat> I also, yeah, I think with fifth edition, I think you're right. When I went through the play test, I was like, wow, this is really cool that they've incorporated this. And then when we got the final product, it seemed to to not be as prominent and front and center as I as I thought it should have been or I kind of expected it was going to be and I know from from being kind of following the discussion and and feedback from the the design team you know advantage and disadvantage is supposed to be situational and you either have it or you don't so it doesn't stack so I know on one level they didn't want 
Um, didn't want to negate player creativity. You know, you're supposed to do something really creative to give yourself advantage by simply giving everybody spells and class abilities that where advantage was being handed out left and right um, because then players would become dependent on those kinds of things as opposed to creative problem solving to, to gain advantage or to overcome disadvantage by simply being able to cast a spell or invoke a, a power. So I think that's probably what they did. But at the same time, I do feel like, yeah, it should be a little more front and center. Um, and I don't think... I don't, th- I, don't, I don't recall seeing a lot of guidance or, or suggestions. About, I mean, there are guidance and suggestions to DMs about how to incorporate that into the game. But like a, like a lot of the DM advice, it's sort of scattered across the player's handbook and the, and the, <laughs> the TMG. I, I think it, I, I think one thing 5th edition missed the mark on was having a, just a nice, concise, you know, almost bulleted list of okay okay dm here's some basic things to always keep in mind to keep keep as keep as a checklist either behind your dm screen or in the back of your head that you're always kind of going through from encounter to encounter to make sure that you've fully got all the aspects of the game engaged and and, um you know available and 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 it comes up time and time again so that everybody remembers about it inspiration is another one that i think they dropped the ball on really integrating well into the game but uh, that's it. I appreciate the calls and uh, the reminder about that. And Jason has one other thing to say. Here we go. Hey, BJ. So I did enjoy your week two show after listening to it. It's interesting. I wonder what it says about us psychologically, but, you know, I also talked about as far as the setting goes, how dangerous most of the settings were and, you know, looking for a safe setting to be in. So I, I think that's kind of curious. I also... Uh, although I, I'm not going to try to sing because I can't match Jules's voice. I, I, I also like how you opened the episode with the whole friendship is magic RPGs or friendship and magic kind of thing. So very cool. And I will talk to you later. Jason, I think it's comes down to the fact that we're getting older. <laughs> we, we, we want a warm place to lay down and go to sleep and not have uh, not have the, not have uh, to run out the door and tell the kobolds to get off the lawn and <laughs> you know, yeah that is interesting that, that we both said well you know oh these are fun games to play in but if i had to live in one of these places i'm not i'm not living in a dangerous place i want someplace safe and secure um yeah i think i think i think, I think as you get older and wiser you realize what's practical and even, even among the fantastic um but thanks for the call and you know what Maybe the magic is the friends we've made along the way. Okay, it's week three of RPG a day um, for August 2022. Um, Let's see what we have for our prompts for this week. I know I'm in guns again a couple days late getting this out. Uh, Number August 14th, Suggestion Sunday, roll D8 plus one. And tag that many friends and suggest a new RPG to play. Um, I don't, I can't tag anybody in a podcast. Um, I'm not even sure if all the people I would tag are going to hear this. <laughs> so, um, but I will say an RPG I would like to play fairly soon with some friends is Coyote and Crow. I think I've mentioned Coyote and Crow before. It is a uh, fairly new role-playing game. It is uh, set in an alternative 
timeline in a it's it's the future but it's an alternative future from what we have because it's set in a world that presupposes that a second ice age occurs right kind of right before the age of exploration and so the western hemisphere is never colonized and what would it look like if the people of the americas were able to advance um and discover math and science and technology on their own um, and deal with it from their own religious and spiritual and cultural uh, worldviews. And so it, it's a science fantasy. There, there's still some, some magic and, and, and uh, fantasy elements in there, but it's also sci-fi. And so it's looking at an advanced, I hate to use that word advanced, <laughs> I'm talking about indigenous cultures, but it's looking, for, I guess it's looking at a, at a futuristic uh, technologically advanced uh, uh, civilization or group of civilizations in in, in North America, uh, as they would have de- might have developed on their own without a- outside influence. And so I'm really looking forward to playing that. I've been slowly absorbing the book. It's a pretty big uh, source book, um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. And so I'll have to roll a die when I get done here and figure out who who who, who I want to get in on the ground floor of that, although I think I already know some of the people that, that I have a handful of friends that have been also really eager to play it, so that's the one I would like to play for the uh, Suggestion Sunday. Let's see, for the 15th of August, who would you like to game master for you? Um, you know, pretty much any of my friends I game with, I'd be enjoy having them be a game master and playing their games. And, and, you know, we do switch off from time to time. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you, if you know me through gaming, I'd probably be happy to, to play in a game that you're running. <laughs> if I think of, like, I don't know, people who are more, I don't know, professional dungeon masters or they're more in the gaming scene in terms of content creation and things like that, um, I think... The two people that come to mind, the, the first one is Jim Davis, who is the host of WebDM. They have a YouTube channel, and they do some, some podcasts for their patrons. But um, I would really like to play in a game. I've never met Jim, um, but he seems like a really cool guy. Um, uh, he's from uh, from not too far from, from, from my neck of the woods. <laughs> I'm in Oklahoma. He's from Texas. So, uh, but I just, from everything I've seen from his, his, his uh, videos and, and listening to his podcast, I think I would enjoy the style of game he runs. Um, so that would be that. And then if we're going to get one, maybe one notch higher into the celebrity D&D, D&D level, um, B. Dave Walters, who, who runs a lot of things for D&D, is part of, part of their public play tests and demonstrations and stuff. You'll see him right now. He's running a Spelljammer game. Uh, in the build-up, lead-up to the release of Spelljammer for 5e. Um, he's run a game, I think, for the cast of uh, Stranger Things before, but he seems like a fun DM. He, he does a really good job of being very engaging and keeping the game running at a good pace and very he makes it a lot of fun. So I think those are two of the people I would like to play. You know, I entered a, a charity. It was, I can't remember who did it, where you donated and you got a chance to win to play a game run by Joe Mangianello, and I, I think I would have enjoyed that as well. Um, but, man, I would just like to get in on one of his basement games and, and play with all the other celebrities he has in there. Just I probably be, wouldn't be able to play. I'd just probably just be asking for autographs because <laughs> he has a lot of 
So you got David, who's David Cross, Tom, Man, Tom, Tom Morello, the, the two Ds, the guys that developed, you know, and produced Game of Thrones for television, the big show. He's got a lot of, uh, you know, you know, celebrity nerds in in his in his game, so that would be fun. But no, I think B. Dave Walters and Jim Davis would be the, the people out, my go-to people for who I'd like to play with in a game. Um, all right, what's the next prompt? And then the sixteenth. What would be your perfect game? Man, that is a hard one. I don't know how to even go about answering that question. What would be your perfect game? Am I reading that right? I think my perfect game is a game where um, things run relatively smoothly, and so you don't even notice the passage of time. You know, you, you suddenly realize you've been playing for an hour and a half, and it doesn't seem like that much time has passed because you can clearly remember everything that's happened from the time the game started. Every encounter, every bit, little story bit, every... You know, it's just it's smooth and it's interesting and the game flows and everybody's engaged and kind of in the flow of things. I think that would be my perfect kind of game. The, 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 the setting and the system I don't think matter as much as that, with everybody kind of just being on the same page and, and everything's running smoothly. Let's see, August 17th, past, present, or future, when is your favorite game set? Uh what is fantasy? Is, does fantasy count as the past? If you're talking about like the worlds we typically play Dungeons and Dragons in, um, I guess that's a, a mythical or, or a fantastic past because it is generally some something of a you know it's medieval with with quite a few anachronisms, but it's still kind of medieval fantasy. Um, that's what I've played the most. I I don't know if it's my favorite. Um, you know, there's this famous um, placard as you as you enter the Magic Kingdom uh, at Disney. It says, you know, I, I'm, I don't have it in front of me and I'm not going to look it up, but it says something along the lines of, here you leave the world of today and enter the worlds of um, the past, the future, and fantasy or something like that. And it's, um, or maybe it's the past, the future, and imagination. But it's really cool. And it just seems like, oh, wow, if that doesn't describe role-playing games, <laughs> I don't know what does. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I guess since I always wind up defaulting to to some version of, of fantasy role playing, probably probably either you know a, a fantastic past or maybe a it's probably a tie really between a fantastic past and a I, I would, maybe a modern setting that has more of a superhero comic book type of, of setting. I think those would be my two favorites. The 18th of August, where is your favorite place to play? Um, my favorite place to play? I think I prefer playing uh, either at my home or someone else's home, just around the, the kitchen or the dining room table. That's, that's my favorite place to play. Um, and I play in public places and, and locations obviously and you know the last few years especially a lot online but if I if I had to pick one it's let's sit around the table at somebody's place where everybody feels comfortable and welcome and, and it's very kind of homey environment and and that's where I like to play
and then the 19th, why has your favorite game stayed with you? Why has my favorite game stayed with me? Um, I think D&D has stayed with me because there's always a new story to tell. There's always a new character to create and, and, and try to imagine myself inhabiting and, and, and uh, taking on the role of it. it, it um, you know, there, there's always... I'm always amazed uh, whenever there's an addition change. And uh, you give it about a year, and then and then people are saying we need a new we need a splat book with new classes and new races and new spells. And I'm thinking, how in the even if you play D and D a couple times a week, how that quickly after a new edition comes out, have you played every possible combination of race, class, subclass, alignment? Uh, and selection of kidding yourself out with different spells and equipment. How have you played through every possible character in the player's handbook that you now need a splat book? <laughs> you know, eventually, yeah, after a few years, and obviously not everything is going to interest everybody in the player's handbook, so not every combination is going to appeal to people. So you can run dry, but I'm always kind of curious about how, you know, how much do you have to play before you kind of done everything you can do with just the core set. I mean, I mean, there's still people who find infinite ways to create new characters with, with BX, where you've got, you know, six possible basic character types, but through interacting with the, the plot and the story and the adventure and, and exploring different personalities and motivations, you still have a lot of fun that way. So I'm, it's, it's always interesting to me that, uh, you know, but that's why D&D is stuck with me, because you can get a lot of mileage out of, of what's in there. Um, and then for the 20th, the last prompt here, what do we got? How long do your games last? My games usually last about three and a half hours, I would say. Two and a half to three and a half hours. Um, most evenings I try to play... If I'm playing on a weeknight, I'll usually schedule it from 7 to 10. If it's on a Friday or Saturday night, you know, usually 7 to 11, 11.30, but almost inevitably on, on, on Saturday and Friday nights, we start late. <laughs> People have stuff they're doing, and so it usually winds up starting around 7.30, 7.45. Um, the Saturday morning game I've been, I've been running and playing in, uh, uh, we start about... Eight o'clock in the morning. Ooh, you know, actually eight twenty, and then we go till around eleven, eleven thirty. So, I would say three hours, give or take, twenty or thirty minutes is is, is the average for uh, for the games that I play in. And I think that's a good time. You play for an hour, hour and a half. You take a break, you come back, you play for for an hour, hour and a half, and then that gives enough time for a lot to get done and people to engage. But for also for there to be here and there little side conversations because it's also a social activity where friends get to talk about what's happened in the, the week or two since we last talked to each other and, you know, uh, things like that. So, uh, but that that's about how long my games last.
Okay, that is uh, that is all. Those are all the prompts for week three. I want to thank everybody for listening. I also want to thank uh, Anthony and Jason for their calls. Be sure and check out the, the Casting Shadows podcast for Anthony and the Nerds RPG Variety Cast for Jason. Jason also mentioned in the little <laughs> reference to My Little Pony, Jules from NZ, who is also a, a, a podcaster here on Anchor. Uh, it's For those of you not from... Those of you who are in North America, NZ means NZ, so it's Jules from NZ if you want to Google it. <laughs> She's from New Zealand. And actually check out this week's episode of For Cerebrivore that will be out on Friday uh, where Jules actually joins uh, our kind of regular panel and we have uh, some discussions about alignment. So that'll be fun. That'll, that should come out sometime early Friday. So be looking for that episode of Cerebrivore as well. All right. Well, I'm done here, so I'll be back with another episode sooner or later. Uh, at least I'll be back next week to finish out RPG a day a month. Actually, I think we've got two more. Because of the way the calendar falls, we'll have two more episodes for RPG a day. Anyway, uh, wherever you're out there, take care of yourself. I'll be back later. Thanks for listening to the Arcane Alienist podcast. The music you're hearing is Come and Get It by Scott Holmes Music. The cover art I use for the episodes is by Dave Bone. Be sure and check out his website, ironseer.com, for a lot of other great gaming-related content. You can always leave me a voice message through the Anchor app or at the Anchor website, or you can email me at arcane.alienist at gmail.com. Once again, I appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. <laughs>